The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in a boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving, and many came to know about it. They hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them. For they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, today we're going to start on a journey. We're starting on a journey of the gospel. So the gospels, if you know, often go in succinct order. So we kind of read through the scriptures. Although, uh, as I I say many times, Catholics know scripture, they just don't know scripture. They know all the stories, but they don't know where it is. Um, And part of the reason for that is that we kind of sometimes get piecemeal kind of presentations of the scripture. And so we've heard it, but yet we don't hear it always in context or always in story in the midst of it all. Well, this next couple weeks, we're actually going to hear the Bread of Life discourse. Now, interesting enough, it it starts a little bit strange. So uh, one thing to also know about kind of the way in which we hear the scriptures is that we hear three different years of scripture. We have a year on Sunday, we have a year A, B, and C. And so for three years, we hear all different scriptures. And then on the fourth year, we start repeating again. And so you kind of hear every, every third year, you'll kind of hear the same gospel. And so those three years are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The synoptic gospels, and a lot of those are very similar. They have a lot of the same stories uh, um, in the midst of it all, but uh, we have those three different ones. Now, we also have a fourth gospel, right? John. So where does that fit in? Well, John fits in often in many of the special seasons. We often have John, and John is also interwoven in some of those A, B, and C. And we're actually going to get that right now. So we actually just read from the gospel of Mark. Okay, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, right? So Mark is the second, and so that's year B, right? So we've got year B is focused on Mark. And what happens in Mark, we're actually at uh, chapter 6, verse 30 to 34, and it's about to launch into the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark's gospel. However, what the lectionary does is it kind of jumps. It's... Mark is leading and defeated in 5,000 in, in his account, but actually the lectionary jumps into the gospel of John's feeding of the 5,000. And then in John's gospel with the feeding of the 5,000 is also the bread of life discourse where Jesus speaks about uh, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And it makes a lot of the Jewish people very uncomfortable and a lot of people leave him. So we're going to be jumping into that. And that is actually a really long chapter. And so it actually is going to take multiple weeks to read through the gospel of John chapter 6. And so what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to actually be building up 
and kind of connecting all of these. It's going to be a series because it is all in series. It's all together. It's all connected. And so ideally what we want to be able to do is be able to walk along Sunday to Sunday to help build our understanding of what's happening. And so over actually the next nine Sundays, we're going to work on the Bread of Life Discourse, And I'm going to kind of call this the Bread of Life series, right? So we're going to be talking about the Bread of Life and how that applies. And so initially, we're going to just kind of start out small and kind of work up, hopefully, so that we continue to learn more about what the Bread of Life is. The first uh, of this series, I'd like to focus on rest, okay? So we hear Jesus today, who his apostles come to him, and they've worked really hard, right? So they say... Jesus tells them, right, come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. And so we often think of that, right? What does that mean? Well, you know, another deserted place that the modern man goes to is a beach, right? Sits on the beach drinking pina coladas, you know, that's, that's rest, right? That's where Jesus and his disciples are going. But not really, right? Uh, we recognize, and one thing that I would say is that the modern man does not really know how to rest. We don't know how to rest. And often we don't do good rest. What is rest supposed to do? Well, rest isn't supposed to be just the avoidance or the escape or just be sedentary, right? Okay, rest is me just not doing anything. Well, actually, that's not really the way that the human person is made to rest. Uh, one of the great, one of the uh, kind of phrases, kind of word manipulations that I really like is, is ideally our rest is in recreation. And recreation should recreate. It should recreate the soul, right? Even though that we might have to put, a lot of the times we want to avoid any work and we think that, you know, and so we try to escape and rest, but that doesn't really recreate us and really give us that rest and strengthen us to be able to return back into the world. And so what we kind of do is we avoid. And, and so our rest isn't really restful. And we don't really go back. And so when Jesus goes off with his disciples to a deserted place to rest a while, it's not an avoidance, but in fact it's supposed to be a place of prayer. Right? He's going to a deserted place not to avoid or escape, but to recreate. To set the priorities first. To be able to go in charity and love and unite themselves once again to God the Father. And we see Jesus do this multiple times. Unfortunately, something gets in the way, right? The people need Jesus. They're yearning for him because guess what? Even though that Jesus and his disciples are tired, God's people are even more tired, right? God's people are even more restless. And so they seek him out. And in that, he has pity in his heart to desire that they might have rest, right? That they might have rest in their soul, that they might have peace and be recreated and be more alive and human in the midst of all. And so what does he do? He teaches and ultimately feeds them. Not only he does feed them with bread, but he also feeds them with his word, right? Which we know is even more important. Modern man, I think, is not often starved by food, but he's starved by purpose, right? We have a, a huge generation of people who are starved with purpose and meaning in life. And that is something that Jesus comes to feed us with. 
for myself, kind of a little bit of an experience for myself uh, to learn a little bit about me, is that I've, the reason why I, I love the Bread of Life discourse, the reason why I can authentically say that I don't always live out rest perfectly, but I, but I, I know what it shouldn't be or what it should be is because, right, I, I've had experiences in it, right? I've, I've been able to experience what rest isn't, you know, what, what it is. And although obviously I'm not perfect, uh, I try and I, I continue to try to pursue in that way. One of the experiences that I had that actually has led me to where I am today as a priest is experiencing the peace, the rest that Jesus can give. Um, I grew up in a good Catholic family. We went to Mass every single Sunday at 7.30 a.m. in the morning. And it was the, maybe not the worst part of my week, but definitely up there. Um, mostly because uh, I had to wake up, right? And I... I get to sleep in two days out of the week. And on Sunday, I've got to wake up and go to Mass. And then, of course, my dad was like, well, we got to get at 7.30 because you don't want to waste the entire day, right? you got to get Mass in so that then we can do chores. Yeah, what a great Sunday. Of course, that's my, you know, cynical, you know, of course, look, remembering everything that's bad about it, right? That wasn't every Sunday, but, of course, that's what I remember. Um, and so I didn't, wasn't particularly a fan. But I went to Catholic school. I would say that I was uh, religious in the sense that I actually cared to a certain degree about God. I believed in God, but I didn't understand how Catholicism fit. And especially I didn't understand how Mass fit, right? So Mass is basically the same every single time. And so for me, it was just boring, right? I already knew the stories. I already knew that God loved me. And I didn't really understand why we had to do the same exact prayers every single time. So for me, it was kind of a a bit of a disengagement. And so when I was uh, lucky enough, uh, out of high school, was able to move a thousand miles away from my parents. And I was very grateful to be able to be accepted to the US Naval Academy in Annapolis and was able to go there And initially when I went there, I was told by everyone, uh, my brothers included, who, different, (laughs) whole other story, um, but uh, by everyone is in boot camp or there at the Naval Academy during plebe summer, go to Mass on Sunday. Because if you don't, or if you go to Mass, you get out of stuff, okay? So, I mean, it wasn't exactly the best uh, pure intention, but... The first Sunday, I was like, okay, yep, yeah, I'm going, right? I want to get out of stuff. Uh, I'm good to go, right? Um, and so I go, but what I learned that first weekend is you actually don't get out of stuff. So in the past, it was certainly the case. And, you know, things change over time. And so at the Naval Academy, specifically during plebe summer, the first kind of half of the day on Sunday is actually free from training. And so you just kind of have off in your room or different things. So if you go to a service and, in fact, you kind of waste your free time, or at least that's the way that I saw it, right? Uh, I kind of took up this little bit of time that I had free out of the entire week, and I went and wasted it on mass. And I was a little bit disappointed, right? Um, now, I, I have learned that, uh, actually, I was just talking with somebody who was at the Marine Corps uh, boot camp, that still, if it, they still have it where they're supposed to have off Sunday morning, but if you don't go to, you don't go to service, uh, they put you to work. So uh, there's still an incentive, which I think is somewhat good in the midst of it all, right? Not the best intention, but God works with uh, sometimes what we give him. And so the first Sunday I went. The second Sunday, I knew that, again, I was at the point where I knew I believed in God. And I knew that Mass had some connection with belief in God. I didn't understand how. And so I didn't, 
want to say no to Mass because I knew that saying no to Mass and not wanting to go would be a rejection of God, but I didn't want to go and waste my time, right? My time was very valuable. I wanted to rest. I was running around all week and I didn't want to, I, I wanted to rest, you know? I wanted to be able to write letters. I wanted to be able to catch up on the things that I was behind. And so I was like, well, I just won't, I just, I won't say no, but I won't say yes. I'll just kind of omit. I just won't, I won't do anything, right? Unfortunately, uh, right before everybody was lining up to, you know, get ready for the services and everything else, a, a buddy that I had met, you know, we'd only been there a week or so, but he was from Wisconsin, and so we were friends, right, right away, and he also was Catholic, and so he had went to Mass with me the previous Sunday, see, and, and that's where I got in trouble, because he came into my room and was like, hey, we're lining up for Mass, you ready to go? I'm like, oh, sh- shoot, um, okay, I'm going. And I would say, I mean, I chose many times before that to go to Mass, right? Because I even went when it wasn't explicitly told by my parents. Uh, I just knew that that was the expectation. But that was the first time that I would say that I I chose to go to Mass out of not a choice of obligation or being told to, but out of a conviction that it was important, right? That I was willing to make a sacrifice of something that I could choose otherwise, and it was in that that I actually started to listening to the priest. I started to actually pray and bring myself. And it all of a sudden started to become different, right? I started to actually receive some rest in that. It became an important part of my day, a place of rest in the Lord, um, a little bit more, that, that wasn't exactly my entire story, right? There's many things that happened. But one of the other things that also happened with Mass was at one of the lunches, so every single lunch at the Naval Academy, everybody joins, and then it, actually it's pretty awesome, a chaplain actually says a prayer before lunch. And one of the days in the first few weeks or months of the academic year, uh, one of the priests, uh, Father Bill Mum, who's actually now Bishop Mum, um, was there, and he said the prayer, and then after said, hey, also to note, there is Catholic daily mass after lunch in the, in the chapel, um, and so if anybody wants to go. And me and my friend from Wisconsin looked at each other, and we're like, yeah, let's go. Now, again, not the purest of intentions here. I have to be honest. It wasn't exactly because I wanted to go to daily mass. What I had found was that the chapel was one place where I was actually treated, um, or at least not, treated inhumanly, you know, I was treated as a human. So that entire plebe summer, plebe summer is kind of the boot camp, but all of plebe year is a training evolution. And so you are a fourth class midshipman and you can't take naps, you can't watch TV, you can't listen to music, you can't talk to upperclassmen normally, you have to be up by a certain time, right? You've got extra tasks, you've got extra training, you've got to be out on your deck plate yelling out chow calls, um, and all these other things. You also can't leave the campus except for, for six hours on Saturday, some Saturdays. And so there's just all this pressure, especially that first year. And there's all this stress and the academics, which is kind of more with more obligations. And so that first year, I definitely would say was not a happy year, right? There's just all these stresses, right? And we can feel that, right? I don't know anybody in this modern world that is like, oh, yeah, I just, I... You know, it's so easy, right? I've got no stressors. It's super easy, right? We all have stressors, and at different times, sometimes it's more than others. 
Well, that first year was a lot. And so I actually went, started going to daily mass, partly because I just wanted to get away from that. And at the chapel, you were treated as a human person and you could have conversations. Also, one of the other things that you could do was close your eyes and sometimes take a nap and nobody would yell at you. Uh, So that was the other thing that I would sometimes do at daily mass, right? I wasn't always the most attentive or necessarily prayerful, uh, but it was a place where God started to work. Now, interesting enough, um, one of the days, a few months into it, I actually uh, walked out of there and it was very strange because I had... As I was walking out, I noticed that I had a grin ear to ear. I was just smiling, just walking along, just smiling. I was like, wait, why am I smiling? It was kind of one of those things that just kind of, I didn't notice. And then I noticed and I I was surprised by it. And I was surprised by it because, right, like I said, I wasn't very happy. When you have all those stresses, you're often very, you know, kind of depressed to a certain degree, right? You're, You're very focused. You're not very smiley or joyful, right? However, I was just grinning ear to ear. And I was like, well, why? Well, and so I thought about it. Did I have any other conversations that were different? No, we didn't. I didn't really talk to anybody. Uh, I'm going to a class that I hate. And just as soon as I ruled out everything else, it just clicked. I just received Jesus in the Eucharist. Now, even though, again, I grew up Catholic, I knew, I still didn't know what that meant. At that point, I wouldn't say that I knew that the Eucharist was the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. I mean, maybe I'd heard it, but I didn't know that, and I didn't believe that, nor did I act on that. And so when I received the Eucharist, I would say that this particular grace was not a grace specifically of the Eucharist. It was actually a particular grace, an extraordinary grace from God to connect and give me rest. And in that moment, I was able to learn that the Lord can give a rest, a peace, whenever he desires, right? And that nothing in the world could give that type of a peace um, that God can give, that rest that God gives. And so um, what I'd like to do as we continue on to share a little bit about that is, is to continue to evaluate how do we come to mass to the bread of life, right? Do we come for rest uh, are we renewed? Are we recreated in this? And maybe why aren't we? And why should we be? Uh, let us come to the Lord with open hearts um, and to continue to seek to learn more and to know more about him.